That's an oldie but a goodie. And if you think that was good, wait till the song after the sermon, A Beautiful Life. Each day I'll do a golden deed. You know that song too? Yes, it's a good oldie. I, uh, I appreciate uh, the mix that Brandon gives us. He leads some new songs. He keeps all of us who are old in the church by singing the old songs, which is great. Thank you for what you do. Appreciate it so very much. This morning, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about bearing fruit. How many of you have ever gardened or had a fruit-bearing tree of some kind in your yard? A few of us have. Uh, a, a, a number, I want to say a handful, but it was more than a handful. Quite a few folks from the church came yesterday to celebrate Nicole's graduation. We had a little reception here, and uh, Rudy was kind enough to make peach tea. I'm going to call it that. I don't know if that's the real name from Peru, but it looked like peach tea to me. And he took some dried peaches from Peru, and he put them in this water, and they kind of filled it up, and it was amazing, and it was great. Fruit is an amazing thing. All of us are called to bear fruit. I don't know if you knew that or not. By their fruit, you shall know them. Is that biblical? Somewhere I remember that in the book. I think it says that somewhere. By your fruit, you shall know them. Uh, fruit has an interesting effect on people. How many of you love blackberries? Raspberries? Strawberries? If you have diverticulitis, you can't eat any of that. Because <laughs> if you do, you'll be in the hospital this evening because those little seeds will just rip you to pieces and you'll be in such pain you wish you'd never seen a raspberry. You know what I'm saying? And then there are things like plums. And if you're lucky, they turn into prunes. Anyone there? A few of us are, yes. Isn't that an amazing thing? There's all kinds of fruit in the world. God gave us an amazing world to live in. He gave us some amazing things to eat. There's some kinds of fruit and vegetables that people eat in some parts of the world. I don't know what they are. When they're served to me, I eat them. I don't ask questions. I learned that going to Mexico so many times. If it's on the plate, I just eat it. I don't worry about it. I also learned that from my dear, beloved friend from, uh, from Liberia, George Chiotti. George Chiotti was was from the little nation of Liberia. He showed up at my church in Atlanta, uh, and he, he became a very, very dear friend. He passed away a few years ago from cancer, but he introduced me to Fufu. Any of you ever heard of Fufu? No one. A couple of you have. It's an amazing uh, little uh, root that grows in the ground, especially in West Africa, and they take it and they mush it up, and it kind of looks like cream of wheat and mashed potatoes or something like that, but it doesn't taste anything like that. It tastes like Fufu. And I'll let your imagination figure out what fufu means to you because I'm just going to let you experience that sometimes. If you're ever in a part of the city of L.A. and you see one of the uh, West African restaurants, just stop in because there's a pretty good chance they will serve fufu. And I encourage you to try it. It's a very tasty, uh, wonderful little dish and it's more interesting and it's probably like nothing you've ever had in your life. But it's not as good as grits. That's all I have to say about that. My wife will appreciate that statement. We're going to talk about being fruit because that's truly what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to bear fruit. And, and a lot of people, when they talk, think about bearing fruit, they think, well, you've got to baptize somebody. You've got to make somebody a Christian. Mm, nah, that's not what we're talking about. Now, there's a part of that that goes on in individuals' lives, but the reality is most of us who are called to be Christians, who are called to follow Jesus, who accept the, the decision and, and accept Jesus as our Savior, the reality is we, don't, we aren't evangelists. Isn't that true? I mean, I mean, honestly, if, if we were to have you stand up and, and, and just tell us, all of you who are evangelists, just stand up right now, there would be a very small number of people in this group of people today who would, be, who would consider themselves evangelists. 
And if you're not an evangelist, there's a pretty good chance that you probably aren't going to baptize too many people. Because guess what? That's not what you're called to be. And that's okay. Because God didn't call all of us to be evangelists. But he did call all of us to bear fruit. And that fruit comes in different shapes and forms and sizes, and it looks like different things. And so we're going to spend a few minutes looking at some of the fruit that Jesus calls us to be like. There's a verse of scripture, Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20. It was read for you a few minutes ago. The, the, the point I want to make of this verse of scripture, it says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit at all, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit at all. That I want you to remember. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So my question for you is, uh, which kind of tree would you like to be? You want to be a good tree. Thank you very much. You have the answer the, correctly. When it comes time to go help set up in the kitchen, you can do that. That's your reward. Isn't that cool? Good job. No, no, truthfully, we want to be good fruit, don't we? I mean, how many of you like to be a bad apple? I mean, nobody likes to be the bad apple. No one likes to rain on the parades. Well, most of the time. Occasionally people get into that. But, but our real desire in life is to do good stuff. We like to do good things. We like to feel good about who we are and what we're doing. We, we just are like that. People are naturally and normally like that. They like to do good things. And Jesus understood that. And he wants us to bear good fruit. And you and I, who are in the body of Christ, if we truly understand what that's all about, we should have a desire to bear good fruit. And Well, what does that fruit look like? Let's look at a couple. Jesus said, by their fruit, you'll recognize them, you'll know them. And this word means more than just know them. And I put that on the board because I want you to see the full implications of what it means that by their fruit, you will know them. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Or you could say, by their fruit, you will know and recognize them. Or you could say, by their fruit, you will personally know and recognize them. Or the greatest expression, by their fruit, you will have a direct relationship with them. You'll recognize them and know them. And in the truest essence of the word, the last expression up there is what it really means when Jesus says, by your fruit, you'll know them. Because it's not just recognizing something. It's not just acknowledging something. It's truly having relationship with someone. It's truly having spent time with them and, and give your life to them and give your heart and soul to them and spend time with them and enough time with them that they will see the fruit. And they will see who you are. Any of you ever had this experience? You meet a new person and you get acquainted with this new person and as you get acquainted with this new person and they begin to establish relationship with you and you with them, they say something like this, I really like being around you. You ever had anyone say that to you? I almost stepped off the stage. <laughs> Mike, we need a fence. He keeps warning me, Ed, don't get too close to the edge. Have you ever had anyone tell you, I really like you. I like being around you. I know some of that. I, I know some of you have experienced that because you married that person who said that to you some years ago. Or you have a relationship with that person now. Maybe there's someone at work that you have that relationship with. You're not going to marry them, but there's just, there's just something that clicks. I was having dinner with a friend of mine just the other day, and he was talking about a, a place where he used to work. All those kids are going to help you eat lunch in a few minutes, so... Be patient with them as they exit, because if they don't go, we don't eat. <laughs> so, and I promise the sermon will be short. 
But my friend was sharing with me how that a gentleman that he used to work with, he said, as soon as I started working with him, and he used this expression, we were just like this. And he put his fingers together and they crossed over. And, and that means to me, and I'm sure it means to you, that they had a really good thing going and they were tight and it worked for them. We've all had things like that. When Jesus talks about our being good fruit, when he says, by their fruit you will know them, he's telling us it means we have a very direct, connected relationship with people and they see us for who we are and it is good. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you an expression in the book, from the book of Genesis. When God created the world, he kept saying, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then after he created us, people, he looked at it and he said, it is very good. And that's the kind of relationship God is calling us to have, that Jesus calls us to have with this fruit. We are to be really very good fruit. And we do that by having quality relationships with people. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but truly the only way to have a quality relationship with anyone is to spend a sufficient enough time with them that you can build relationships. That's what you and I have been called to do, is to build relationship. And that takes time. It doesn't happen all at once. It takes a long time sometimes. But you and I are called to have that kind of relationship with people. And so I invite you to embrace that. Everything doesn't have to be in a hurry. Just because you have a microwave in your house that will cook popcorn in a minute and a half doesn't mean relationships happen that quickly. It takes time. And for some people, it takes a very long time to get to know them. Others quicker. But God has called us to be among people. He's called us to live among people and to live with them sufficiently so that they know us for who we are. And God willing, they will know us by the fruit that we bear. So where's the fruit? Commercial a few years ago, the Wendy's commercial. Where's the meat? Where's the beef? Well, where's the fruit in your life? What do people see when they see you? When people talk about you, when they talk about you behind your back to other people that you work with or talk about you behind your back to the neighbors that live next door to you, what do they say about you? Is there any salt? Is there any light in your life? Salt was a seasoning. Back in the day, it was one of the greatest of, 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 of things that we used to preserve anything. It preserved the meat. It kept everything fresh. It allowed you to keep meat in the, in the little cooler in the... the container for a long, long time. It was a very, very important product. It's not so much in our world today because we have freezers. But back in the day, salt was very important. Salt was a preservative. It was a disinfectant. Metaphorically, it signified permanence. It signified loyalty. It signified durability, fidelity. Those are powerful words that mean a lot in a relationship with people. And Jesus asked us to be salt. He asks us to be the light of the world, which signifies guiding something through the darkness. Now, I appreciate that especially. I've been in very, very dark places. And I don't mean in a cave. I mean, I have been in some very dark places with people. And it's a little weird and it's a little frightening and it's a little bit unnerving. But to know that the light of Jesus lives in me gave me peace and comfort in knowing that even though I'm in this place at this time, the light of Christ will guide me through. God has called us to be the light to the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so I just am curious if you've ever hidden your light from those who are around you. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world right now. 
There's some crazy stuff going on in our world right now. And people keep taking to the airwaves to vent their frustration and to vent their opinions and to vent what they like or dislike about this or that. What kind of light are you shining through all of that? Do you choose to lower yourself to get into the dark fight? Or will you be a light that gives hope and a desire for peace in a world that's full of all kinds of anxiety? Jesus called us to be the light. He calls us to be righteous. He says, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you'll certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The greatest command, Jesus acknowledges this. The young man asks him, what's the greatest command? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and strength. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the words of Jesus. And yet he says, unless our righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, we'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you realize that there are times in the history of the Jewish people, God's chosen ones, that he says, I want nothing to do with your assemblies because they're rotten to the core. Do you remember those expressions? It's a paraphrase. But I invite you to go back and read Amos 5. I invite you to go back and look at Isaiah chapter 1 and look at the words of God as he's as he's bringing down a chastisement upon his people because they have become rotten to the core because the things that they were doing in the assembly, the things that they were doing together, and the name of God meant nothing to him. And he makes statements like this, I prefer mercy instead of sacrifice. Go and figure out what this means. I need you to love the fatherless and the widows. Go figure out what that means all kinds of stuff going on in the world right now. All the media throwing out the pictures of the kids who have been separated from their families. Are you kidding me? What kind of world do we live in where that stuff happens? We live in a mixed up, rotten to the core world. That's what we live in. How do we respond to that? You can't just go get the kids and take them home with you because they won't let you do that. But how do we respond in a world where there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on? We respond with the love of Christ. And we respond with peace in our hearts to others. Even though they might have some crazy, wild, different ideas about how the world is going on than we do, we respond with the love of Jesus and peace. Because any other response would be inappropriate. It doesn't matter what government we live under. Because unless I'm mistaken, my citizenship is in heaven. You know what I'm saying? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. They're all expecting me, and it's one thing I know. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This ain't my home. I stay on a boat most every night. A fellow asked me years ago, he said, Ed, where do you live? And I said, well, I live everywhere that I go. And that's a fact. I live everywhere that I go. And I never get there until I show up. But wherever I am, that's where I am. And those sound funny, but they're real. When you realize, when you and I realize that the life that we live is the one that God gives us right now, at this moment, at this time, He doesn't give us yesterday. He's not even guaranteeing us tomorrow. He's giving us right now, at this time, at this moment. This is what we have. Now, what will we do with this moment? I choose to live in a world that honors Jesus 
in all things, at all times, in all circumstances. And that doesn't necessarily mean I agree with everything that any government does. I'm still trying to figure out how to take a shower and how to do laundry on the same day in California. Because we passed that regulation at the last election. You know this, right? They can now legally fine you if you take a shower and do laundry on the same day because you use too much water. It could cost you a thousand bucks a day. I'm glad I live on my boat. Because I have a hundred gallons of fresh water on my boat and I only have to fill it up once a week. I know how much water I use. I don't get all of that. You know what? I don't have to. What I have to do, what I'm called to do, what I can't help but doing is being the kind of person Jesus wants me to be. And that means my righteousness surpasses that even of the Pharisees. And I'm not so worried about the kind of song we might sing in the church, whether it's a, a high church or it's spiritual or it's no music on the screen and just words only or we sing it quietly, or we sing it robustly. That's not what concerns me. What concerns me is that I honor God when I sing a song. And I lift His name on high. And I give praise to my Father when I sing those songs. Do I have preferences in the singing? Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you about that some other time. Do I have kinds of songs that I like? Oh, absolutely. But that has nothing to do with me. This is all about God. It's all about God. I listen to all kinds of music in my car, but I never listen to opera. I just don't do opera. I can't understand them. The vibrato is a little too strong. I can never understand what they're saying. I never listen to it. I used to listen to country music. I don't even do that anymore. It got into this pop thing, and it's not real country, and I just can't go there. I used to listen to rock and roll. And then the Beatles, I'm teasing. <laughs> Guys, it's not about those things. It's about living for Jesus. It's about living for Him. All of those things are incidental to life, but they don't guide us and they don't direct us and they don't control our lives. Jesus said, don't commit murder. Any of you ever committed murder? Am I the only one? Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Juanita. Because see, Jesus says, don't murder anyone who murders will be subject to the judgment, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. You tell me you've never been angry with a brother? All of you are that perfect? I'm preaching in the wrong church. <laughs> I'm being facetious, but I want you to understand Jesus has called us to live at a different level. That's the reason we just sang the song that we just sang. A higher plane. A higher ground. Jesus has called us to live just a little bit differently. Have you ever noticed children? Our youngest kids left a minute ago and they're in the, in the class next door. But have you ever noticed like two and three and four year old, five year old kids when they're on the playground playing, they can have all kinds of things happen. And I mean, they might even get fighting mad with one another. And if you'll leave them alone just for a few minutes, in just a couple of minutes, those kids will be best of friends again. And they seem to just get along great, and it's like nothing ever happened. Why can't we do that as adults? Why do we have to hold on to stuff so long when somebody does something to us? Why can't we just forget it? 
God did. God did. You know, the book says he separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Do you realize how far that is? Simple illustration. If you get in an airplane and you fly north, due north, there's this thing called the North Pole up there, right? I've never seen the pole, but there's this magnetic point that people call the North Pole. And once you cross over the North Pole, guess what direction you're heading? You're going south. Even if you're in the northern hemisphere, you're still going south, okay? When you go all the way around the world and you get to the South Pole and down there somewhere there's a red and blue pole that's sitting there called the South Pole. And when you get to the South Pole and you cross over and you come back up the other way, guess which way you're going? You're going north. Same airport, same airplane. And you start west. You fly out across the ocean and you're heading west. You're heading toward Japan. You're heading toward China. You're heading toward Russia. Whatever country you want to name over there. And you go west, and you fly west, and you keep flying west, and you keep flying west, and you go all the way around the world. When do you ever start flying east? You never do. And God has separated your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. If he can forget, why can't we? If he can never hold us accountable for our sins because the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Why can't we live like that? We can't even do that for our own selves sometimes because we're still concerned and we're upset with ourselves because we did X 32 years ago and we can't let it go. And we go to God and we talk to him about it and he looks at us and these are my words, not God's words, but I'm thinking to myself, he's like... <clears throat> What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't have any recollection of that. You keep bringing this to me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to forget? Adultery. This is a fun one. Well, I don't mean it in that way. I don't mean it in that way. You've heard it was said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Any of you heard of the Pew Research Institute? They do research, different groups. They did some research a few years ago. They came to the conclusion after doing the research that 85% of all men who go to church on Sunday have had some issue with pornography. And the research concluded that the other 15% who denied it were liars. Come on, guys. Can any of us truthfully stand before God or our wives or our kids and say, I've never, ever looked at somebody else and just wondered? Seriously? And I'm not going to talk about what the women think because I'm not one. And I don't really know what goes on in your head. I know what goes on in my mind. I don't know what goes on in my wife's mind. But we don't think alike. I can just tell you that. And the things that I can look at that would be of great interest to me, they don't seem to interest her in the same way it does me. 
I don't understand that, but I think that's a blessing for her and a curse for me. (laughs) Adultery is one of those things God says don't do it. And yet, in the world we live in today, especially, guys, if you have access to any kind of computer, you might not even try to find this stuff, but all of a sudden, bam, it shows up one day. Because you mistyped a word. Or you punched on something and you went to a link and you didn't really know what it was, but all of a sudden, surprise! Now you know. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. I haven't seen a man yet in a church with one hand that cut his own hand off. And I see very few people walking around with an eye patch. But that's what Jesus said. And I just wonder what he's really called us to be. I wonder sometimes if we wonder and even think about what he's really called us to be. Being God's sons and daughters in a barren world requires us to bear good fruit. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. By their fruit, you'll know them. By your fruit, you will have a direct relationship with them and recognize them and know them. When you and I think about bearing fruit, it's not just about how many people did we bring to church. It's about being the light and the life of Jesus. It's about being the salt and the peace and the hope that comes in Jesus. It's about loving our enemies, which we'll talk about next week or week after. It's about praying for those that don't like us. It's about taking off our coats and giving it to someone else when all they asked for was our shirt. Jesus has called us to go way beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees. And he's called us to bear fruit unto good works. So what kind of fruit are you bearing? Are you a good tree? I know you want to be. Because I've only known about two people in my whole life that wanted to be a bad tree. And they're in jail. What do you want to be? The song we're about to sing says, Each day I'll do our golden deed by helping those who are in need. Really? Really? As we sing this song, I encourage you to listen very carefully to the words. This is an old, old song that many of us have sung for generations. But the words are powerful. And they will call us, if we allow them, they will call us to leave here and live differently than maybe we have been living. I invite you to bear good fruit. I invite you to be a good tree. Let's stand and encourage one another as we sing this song. Brandon, come on.